This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. So grateful that you joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. Let's navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very interactive and I think even enlightening edition of Equip. You guys know how passionate I am about Bible engagement. It will uh, thrill my heart like nothing else to know that you are growing in your passion and commitment to studying God's word and applying it to your life. But I recognize that so often as we engage the word, if we don't have uh, help, if we don't have uh, wisdom from uh, those who uh, have uh, been experienced in engaging Scripture, it's possible that we may not be getting from God's Word what He intended. And I want your time in God's Word to be fruitful. I want you to uh, see the beauty of the gospel. I want you to grow in your love and appreciation for the redemptive work of Christ in your life. And I want you to be able to rest in His grace. But I recognize in order for that to happen, You not only have to read the Bible, you have to see the gospel in Scripture. Thus, I'm so excited about today's topic and uh, resource. It's entitled Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel, Rediscovering from Shockingly Common Ways We Get the Bible Wrong in Our Everyday Lives. What this implies is there is a right and a wrong way to engage Scripture. And I really want to help you to avoid some of those pitfalls that can get you down the wrong path and to help you to get on the right path. In order to help me in this discussion, I'm so grateful to have Ben Conley joining me. Ben is a pastor. He's an author. He's an equipper. And he's also a professor. Uh, he is honored to serve everyday disciples, ministry leaders, and church planners across the world through the Equipping Group. That's a ministry that he gets a chance to serve in. He and his wife, Jess, live in Fort Worth, Texas, and have three almost perfect children. And he joins <laughs> me today. Hey, Ben, how are you, brother? Good, Chris. How are you today? I am super grateful uh, for you to join me and, and fired up about the book. Before we get into how to read the Bible the right way, uh, I want to hear a little bit about the equipping group. I talked a little bit about it. Can you share about that ministry and what your passion is there? Yeah, I'd be honored to. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, essentially, we started the equipping group after years of working with multiple organizations and denominations, primarily in the U.S. and Canada. Um, And our heart is to come alongside church and organization and group leaders, uh, especially thinking about maybe the kind of next generation of of church leaders and group leaders, um, and really try try to help serve leaders and shape gospel culture and help churches become sending churches uh, and come alongside folks and help them plant churches. Uh, so yeah, that's good. Online trainings, residencies, some resources, that kind of stuff. But we're especially 
especially honored to serve folks who need training but can't always necessarily afford it. That's and let me part. give my my 10-second commercial. You've been a huge blessing to the leaders at our church here in Michigan, Woodside Bible Church, and I'm grateful for that and, and not only your impact on our church and leaders but other friends that I know as well. And so with that being said, I, I, I really want to shape this conversation for leaders in particular. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're not a leader, you won't benefit from this. But in many ways, how we model Bible engagement has a tremendous impact on the way that those we lead will engage Scripture. Isn't that true? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you mentioned the title of the book. It's Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel. But it could equally be titled Teaching the Bible, Missing the Gospel, or Preaching the Bible, Missing the Gospel. And of course, there's a temptation there for anyone who reads or teaches or preaches that, that we have to guard against. Yeah, and let me just say this as well. You know, when I say that we want to focus so uh, specifically a lot of our attention on leaders today, let me just say you may not be uh, in a, a titled position or mm. on paid church staff, but you still are so important. If you're part of a local church community, I can't tell you, Ben, how many times Someone who is a part of my church has placed a resource in my hand or said to me, Pastor, I read this article or this book or listened to this sermon or podcast, and I and I want to share it with you because I think it will help you. Mm-hmm. That has been revolutionary in my life. So yeah. please, as you listen, hopefully you have leaders on your heart that you're praying for every day because we certainly need the prayers of the saints and uh, as you listen to Ben and I talk, maybe there's a leader in your life that you want to place this in the hands of. All right, let's talk about the birth story of this book. What's the origin story of reading the Bible, missing the gospel? Yeah, so for me, this goes all the way back to seminary. Um, and I have a Bible church background as well. Um, so I resonate a lot with Woodside. And it truly has, as a side note, been, a, been an honor to come alongside and get to know some of the folks that you're leading with and serving with a lot. Um, but for me, I, w- I was fairly new to Jesus when I went to seminary. Um, and I, I, my backstory is I'd been a youth pastor for a couple of years while I was in college university years. Uh, but I think I was a youth pastor before I knew Jesus, which is not the ideal, you know, pattern to follow. Yeah. Um, but I, I came to know Jesus and, and felt the call conviction, whatever you want to call it to ministry pretty quick after that. And so went to seminary and, um, Perhaps because I wasn't so new to Jesus and Jesus was still such a new reality to me, what I felt in seminary, and and I I blame myself for this, not the school for the record, but uh, I felt that I learned a lot about the Bible, but but less about Jesus um, Mm -hmm. and how to teach and preach and counsel with the words on the page. But in a lot of ways, it felt like it became just another version of the law that you have, if if you just believe this better, if you just felt this more, if you, you, you just did this, then you'd be more holy. Then Jesus would love you more and this kind of stuff. And and, and it just felt like in, in some ways what I was realizing is that as I read the Bible, and especially on topics like forgiveness for one was a huge one, um... I, I was missing the gospel. Um, I was seeing the yeah. words on the page, yeah. but I was missing the true word or the, the heart behind, uh, the message behind the the words. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had someone say after a message, you know, I've been a part of a church for 20 years or 30 years, or I've been sitting in church all my life, 
and this is the first time that I think I've heard the gospel. And mm-hmm. you think about all of those years of sincerity, but not either hearing the gospel or seeing it in Scripture. And so we, we certainly don't want that to be anyone's uh, journey. We, we want you to hopefully uh, see the gospel when reading Scripture. And if you're blessed to be in a teaching role, to be able to make sure that as you're teaching Scripture, that you're teaching the gospel. Now, for some who are listening to us, they, they probably are like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> so we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in a moment. But I just want to add one more group, if I could. Ben, I know that I referenced how valuable this work that you've written and your ministry is to church leaders, but also need to appeal to parents as well, mm. because we have such an important discipleship role with our children. And I'm blessed. I got to mention this, brother. I am blessed that in your dedication page for this book, that you give a big shout out to Dennis and Becky. Who are yeah. they and what role <laughs> did they play in your life? Yeah, Dennis and Becky are my parents. They're my mom and dad. Um, and uh, man, this is the first time I've been asked about them for a little while. I get a little emotional about this, Chris. Um, they're both still alive. They're they're both near us and, and we get to see them. We got to spend Christmas Day with them. Um, this past uh, this past season, and they love our kids. They love our family. Uh, but more than that, growing up, uh, what I saw in them was a true love for Jesus. Uh, That's great. They loved the church. They loved the Bible. Um, but they were just insatiable in pursuing Jesus as their Lord, and so they really did model for us a pursuit of of the scriptures, of the church, which again, the danger of a conversation like this is we can spend, swing the pendulum too far and it can sound derogatory toward the Bible or toward the church. And that's not it at all. Um, but we can aim for the church and the Bible and and miss Jesus. And I never saw my parents do that. So let, let's get into what you're concerned about before Mm -hmm. we go to our first break. What is your greatest concern and how does it practically express itself through our reading of Scripture? Yeah, uh, that's a great starting point. Um, And I think I'm on good ground uh, in saying what my biggest concern is, because it really stems from words that Jesus told to some religious leaders in John chapter 5. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it is the Scriptures that actually bear witness about me, but you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And, and so I think the concern is, one, I, I don't know that uh, some of your listeners, in, in, at least in North America, followers of Jesus across our world, I don't know that we read the Bible or pursue the Scripture that much by comparison to history or that kind of stuff. But when we do, we also go to it seeking kind of little bits. How can I know more? How can I f- feel better about myself? How can I find another rule to try to follow? That kind of stuff. And, and so Scripture itself can become the goal, which is kind of what Jesus says. You go to the Scriptures thinking that in them you have life. But if we do that, we miss the fact that all Scripture points to Jesus, and only in Jesus is eternal life. So I think that's the concern, is if, if we do go to the Scriptures at all, do we go thinking that in them we'll find something to help me out, or help me do better, or help me feel better, 
Whereas in reality, if we do, we, we miss the fact that only in Jesus is true, full, eternal life. Yeah, that, this is powerful, what you just said, and, and it's reorienting. So I want to just acknowledge that, that for some who maybe have spent a lifetime reading their scriptures or reading the Bible, this might be reorienting. But I promise you, if you stick with this conversation, it's reorienting to the good. And, and I would describe what you just stated. Uh, it grounding it in the words of Jesus as the difference between looking to the scriptures and looking through the scriptures. 100%. Explain, explain the difference there. Yeah. So maybe the easiest way to, to describe it, and I tried to figure out who said this. I read it somewhere and could not find it when I wrote the book. So I credited some anonymous source. But essentially, if, if the Bible is a windshield, um, what it does is give us a clear view of something beyond the windshield, right? And so, so if we're looking through the scriptures, looking through the windshield, the view we get is God. The view we get is Jesus and, and God's pursuit of us and the work of the Spirit and this kind of stuff. But if, you know, we've all had a bug on our windshield or a, uh, a, a crack or a little, a little nick or something like that, and we know what it looks like to stare at the windshield, and what happens is the blur beyond it gets blurry or we miss the view beyond or that kind of stuff. And, and so if we read the Bible without seeing the God behind the Bible, the, the pursuing work of Jesus and the redemptive story in the Bible, then, then we're missing the view because we're just staring at the windshield. Yeah, so we don't want you to miss Jesus. That Mm -hmm. is the big thing. When you're reading Scripture, you should be seeing Jesus wherever you're at in Scripture. You should see Jesus. And if you're you're missing Jesus, then you're missing the gospel. Even if you're reading Scripture and the way that that impacts your teaching, the way that that impacts the way you disciple your children, Mm -hmm. the way that that impacts the way you understand forgiveness— or even salvation, it, it is all kind of distorted. And we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. Hopefully, folks are going to stick with us. Listen, all month long, friends, I've been encouraging you to engage in reading. And this is something we're doing all year long is we want to read through the Bible and my good friend Trillian Newbull has put together a wonderful guide for doing that. It's 52 weeks in the Word. But the goal of that is to help you to see Jesus, to love him, to understand his deep love for you, to receive his grace and salvation, and to be freed to have a wonderful, vibrant relationship with him and to invite others into that relationship. So I don't want you just reading the Bible. I want you to read the Bible and see the Gospels. We all need corrective lenses. We'll talk about how we can get those on the other side of this break. To get that 52 weeks in the the Bible book, dial 888-644-4144. Does the thought of reading through the Bible in a year overwhelm you? Then I have the perfect guide for you. 52 Weeks in the Word provides a reading plan that's not too big or too small, offering 52 reflections, one per week, along with prayer prompts and insights for each scripture reading. Discover the whole story of the Bible from beginning to end. Get your copy with a gift to equip by calling 888-644-4144 or visit equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks before it's all said and done. 
We're going to help you to understand why you don't need to keep asking God for forgiveness. Certainly don't need to judge one another. And are you not going to heaven for all eternity? Uh Uh-oh. I think I might have just gotten in trouble, Ben. We're going to talk about that and so much more. My guest, Ben Conley, has written a very important book called Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel. We're going to explain what that's all about throughout this book, uh, throughout this conversation. Uh, really, the book is in, is intended to help you to put on corrective lenses. I love the cover, maybe hmm. in part because I wear glasses, Ben. Um, but just talk about life without, and maybe I can help you with this a little bit, but life without glasses, the right lenses, life with the right lenses, because Man, is the world distorted when you don't have your glasses. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, my, the story, actually, that I start the book with is my son, who, uh, before he was one year old, had, had to have corrective eye surgery. And, you know, as a parent, that's utterly, yes. completely terrifying. Um, for me, I, I, would, I think I'd rather lose any part of my body than my eyes. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and at the same time, you know, immediately after the surgery happened, he could see, he could really balance for the first time. He could kind of sit up and this kind of stuff. And, and, and that was really like a really helpful image for me of how a lot of us miss the, miss the gospel. When we read the Bible, we go with one lens, but you know, things are blurry. Uh, Jesus talks about, or in in one of the gospels, Jesus heals, heals a man and kind of halfway through the healing, he says, things are blurry. I see shapes walking around like trees kind of thing. And it's like, man, I feel like that's an image of how a lot of us understand the scriptures. We see yes. it, but but we miss it at the same time. Okay, so how does this look practically? If, if you were to invite us into uh, a study time with Ben Connolly, mm-hmm. it's just him, his Bible, and the Lord, what questions are you asking in your heart of the text as you study and read? Yeah, that's, that's, I love that you asked me that question. Um, first, we'd all have to put our slippers on because if we're going to be doing this together, <laughs> you know, we're going to be in my, in my living room, it's going to be comfortable. So, um, but yeah, the, the, I think the big questions that we can ask, frankly, of the entire Bible, and we can also ask of every book or every passage or even really every single verse um, are, are, are the following. The first is, what does this passage say about God? Um, which mm. is which is the right starting point? Um, yes. Just I don't know, I don't know if I'm, I'm you know giving a big reveal here early, but but yes. but the big starting point is that the Bible is a story about God. It is His work, His character, His being. It's His story, which is just the opposite starting point of how many of us consider the Bible. We we think we're the main characters. We think it exists to serve us. Yes. Yes. Um, and so the first question to ask, and again, you can do this of any single text, is what does this tell me about God, yes. about his character, about his work? Um, then, once we kind of admit and reflect on him as the main character, then and only then do we get to ask, okay, what does this say about humanity? Yeah. Um, and frankly, like a lot of the times, it, the Bible doesn't, doesn't give a, a beautiful view <laughs> of humanity. Um, there's a lot of contrast to God. Uh, and at the same time, there's some beautiful people in the scriptures as well. There's some folks who really do pursue God. Um, but I think one thing that we realize, if we're honest, is that even the the best humans in the Bible outside of Jesus are still imperfect. Yes. 
Yes. Um, they're still finite. They still mess up. They're still going to die. Um, and so there's some, there's some exhortation or there's some examples to follow perhaps from the people in the Bible. Yes. Um, but at the same time, we know that, that they're not the main character. In fact, they and we need God to remain the main character. Mm, mm. Um, so those are the first two questions. Who, who is God? Who are people? You might say, you know, who is God and what does he do? Who are people? What do they do? And is that true of me? But then the final question, we've already started to allude to this, is how does this passage point me to see Jesus as the true hero? You know, if, if people are finite, if people are sinful, Jesus was not finite. He was not sinful. He was perfect. And so even by comparison or contrast or foreshadowing or reflection, you know, Paul's life, when he says, ah, I, I wish I could I, I wish I could die, frankly, except that I would stay alive for your benefit. And man, there's something really beautiful about that, that he says, I wish I could die for your benefit, but Jesus is the one who did die for our benefit. And so there's foreshadowing and reflection. And so the last question is, how does this passage, how does this verse, how does this book, how does the whole Bible point us toward Jesus as the true hero and then also the fulfillment or the redeemer of every promise, every command, every story in Scripture? Hopefully you're getting the feel for why this book is so near and dear to uh, my heart, why I wanted to have this conversation with Ben and and really invite you into this discussion. This really is a game changer, and it changes mm-hmm the way you encounter God's Word, to get a copy of Ben's book, Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel, which I encourage you, highly encourage you to do, find out more at our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Click on today's program details. Ordering information is there. Or as always, our social media platforms are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What I love about what you just did uh, ben, is both in the questions you asked, but also in the order in which you posed those questions. Because I mm-hmm. think what's happened in, in in a contemporary sense in most Bible studies is it's a group of people sitting in a circle, maybe uh, sincere, reading the Bible and immediately jumping to, well, what does this mean to me? Yeah. Uh, and what is this say about me or what I need to do. And so often you walk away with this sense of either I can do this in my own strength, mm-hmm. and if I'm determined enough, passionate enough, sincere enough, I can live a godly, holy life. Um, you, you walk away with that sense, and that could be really dangerous, can it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, even some of the you know kind of key ways we're taught to teach the Bible um, or to study the Bible. I mean, inductive Bible study is, is a great method, um, but it puts the, the uh, effort on me. What does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? Man, that can be crushing at times. Um, yeah, yeah. An entire chapter in the book, we, we walk through Philippians 2, which, yes, if, if, which if, I love. is perhaps a, a kind of well-known passage, but if I can overly generally summarize it, it basically says, Jesus was really humble. You should be humble like Jesus. <laughs> um, and, and again, that is grossly, grossly generalized, but that's, that's kind of the message there. And if we're just reading, again, the words on the page, then what does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? Leaves me going, I have to be humble. Which, if we've tried, any one of us, we know that feels like an impossible feat. Um, so we either pretend or we 
kind of, you know, minimize holiness and go, well, maybe I just need to be humble enough. And if we can't do that, then maybe it's, well, maybe I just need to be humble a little bit less than that. So, so we kind of pretend or, or we, we kind of minimize God's standard a little bit. And then frankly, even, and I've, and I've had moments like this, I don't know if you have, Chris, but I've had a moment where I was like, oh man, that was really humble of me. And I'm like, oh, dang it. That was a really prideful reflection on my <laughs> humble moments. Now I got to go start over. <laughs> the, more you're, the more you're prideful about your humility, the, the more probable you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, and yet a lot of passages were left thinking that if yeah. it's up to me, my effort, my yes. ability to follow the rules we just feel crushed or we so, feel like we have to put on a facade. So what is that chapter then Philippians two, since we're there, mm-hmm. what does that look like when you read it through the lens of, of the gospel, when you see the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back and kind of just look at it through those three questions. Who is God? Who is, who, who are people? And then how is Jesus the, the hero yes. and the redeemer? Um, first of all, I mean, God is, is the one who calls us to humility. He yes. is perfect and he, you know, was the servant King and the one who was the scriptures, that scripture even tells us like left his throne to come to us. How humble yes. is that? Um, and so we see all this and we could go on for hours about what we see <laughs> in that one passage, much less the whole Bible about God. But, but that's one little, little glimpse that we get of God. Um, who are we? We're the ones who need saving. We're the ones who need a king to leave his throne to come for us. Um, we're yes. the ones who need Jesus to uh, be humbled to the point of death, even death on a cross, that kind of stuff. We're the recipients yes. of that. Um, what we are not is ones who can humble ourselves to that point. We're not mm-hmm. ones who can humble ourselves, period. But then Jesus is the one who comes in and dies in part for our lack of humility. And he dies for every need and every sin we have. Reading the Bible, missing the gospel. The whole point, friends, is we want you, as you read and engage the Bible, and I love Bible reading, and I think it's great that you're engaging. I just want to make sure that you are seeing the gospel when you are. And so does Ben. Find out more at equipradio.org. By the way, perfect companion with Trillian Nubles, 52 Weeks in the Word. Dial 888-644-4144. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Having a fascinating conversation with author, uh, equipper, pastor, professor Ben Conley about his book, Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel. He He wants to help us to recover from um, some shockingly common ways we get the Bible wrong in our everyday lives. He wants us to see Jesus, see the character of God in every verse of the Bible, and to live in the grace of the gospel as we engage God's Word. We're going to get back to our conversation with Ben in just a moment, but I do want to invite those of you who are monthly partners here with Equip, we call those good folks Equippers, to join me for our Zoom webinar. It's coming up this Thursday, immediately following the program. We're going to talk about a very, I think, really relevant topic from a contemporary sense, but also from a classical sense. It's Jesus, Anxiety, and Depression. What does the Bible say about those things, and how does the gospel shape our hearts and our understanding of Jesus' anxiety and depression? Is it a sin to be anxious um, and to live with anxiety? 
What about depression? Does the Bible address that at all? We're going to talk about that and so much more. We're holding a couple of seats available for those of you who are mental health professionals as well. Uh, We also want to invite, uh, going to hold a couple of seats for pastors, but this is primarily for those of you who are monthly partners. So if you've received the Equipper Encouragement email, registration details are there. Please, please, please register, be with us. It will be an hour well spent as we talk about Jesus, anxiety, and depression. Today, as we look to the Word of God and inviting you to take this 52-week journey of reading the Bible uh, with me. I want to make sure you're seeing the gospel. And I want to talk, Ben, about some tensions, if you will, mm. that I feel when I when I engage your book. The, the first tension I feel is honestly as a preacher of the word who takes an expositional approach to the, the passage, mm-hmm. what that tends to look like, Ben, the pro of that is that we're going to respect uh, the grammatical and historical context of the Scripture. We're going to ask ourselves, what did it mean to the original audience? What was the author's intent? What was God's intent in this, right? But mm-hmm. it ends up looking like us going really deep on small mm-hmm. sections of Scripture as opposed to the big story of Scripture, yeah. right? That that often is the tension there. Talk about the tension between going deep in a particular ses- section or passage, be it Philippians two, and and, and this uh, tension with the overall what's called the meta narrative of Scripture, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we've already said, you know, if the Bible really is the story of God from Genesis to Revelation, it tells one story, right? Um, it tells of God creating and man falling away, humans falling away, and then really God's redemptive pursuit, even as humans fall away over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and, and yet God drawing us back with, a, with glimpses of restoration, reconciliation that we'll see in full for eternity. I want to submit that the, the Bible also tells that story over and over again. Um, we mm. see, you know, Adam and Eve uh, created perfectly and uh, fallen away from God. And then they try to, you know, first hide and cover their shame by their own efforts, which, man, don't we all do that at times? Um, but then God comes in and the first glimpse of the gospel we get is that a, an animal dies and, and fully covers their shame. Um, and so it's a, a little glimpse, one one small story of the, the Bible's bigger story. And a chapter later... Cain and Abel. <laughs> it happens again. It's good that brothers are in existence. It's not so good when a brother kills a brother, and yet Cain can't avoid his punishment. So God provides a way out. And, and, and again, I think if we ask those questions, what is God doing? Who is God in this passage? Who are humans in this passage? And then how is Jesus the hero and redeemer? Yeah. Then whether it's a story like that, then we can compare and contrast um, or look to the need for Jesus to be the hero and redeemer. But even in, you know, uh, Paul's letters or the more kind of instructive aspects of Scripture, this kind of stuff, we can dive in and kind of go, okay, here's, here's what Paul says we should do as believers, whether it's one verse, you know, uh, be holy as I am holy. There's another, like, amazingly exhortive coffee cup, 
you know, crochet kind of verse that can be mm. crushing if we really think about it. Um, we can't be holy as God is holy. Um, and so if we were to do an exegesis on that one verse, be holy as I'm holy, which, which comes from, um, comes from uh, the, the Old Testament, laced through the New Testament. We even see Paul echo it and be, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus has some echoes of that. Um, but, but I think what we can do is dive into that and be like, let's explore God's holiness. Um, let's, let's see what he says in this. Let's see why yes. Paul can even say, um, follow my example. Here's, here's ways that, that Paul pursued God's holiness or this kind of stuff. And yet we can also, I think, for example, from the, from the Paul passage, say, Paul didn't say, just follow my example, though. He said, mm. follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. Because we can also so point to places that Paul didn't perfectly do that. And yes. his need for Jesus draws us into our need for Jesus. So I, I recognize that that question in and of itself was really uh, almost a professional question. Like it, it targets in some ways those of us who teach the scriptures. So, but, but I love your answer. Your, your answer really, in, in a nutshell, is if we're asking the right questions, it will drive us continually back to the big story. Mm -hmm. Even if we're looking at one verse, even if That's we're right. looking at one chapter or one story, yeah. if we keep asking, what does this show me about the character of God, who he mm -hmm. is? What does this reveal to me about humanity, about myself? And, and, and what do I, where do I, how do I see Jesus as the hero redeemer in this story? If I keep asking myself those questions, it'll keep driving me back to the big right. story. But, yeah, but yeah. I want to get to another tension I think is pr far more practical. And that is the tension between human responsibility and divine sovereignty, right? Yeah. Now, people have been arguing about this for thousands of years, and I want you to solve it in right, 60 seconds. It. I want you to give the 60, <laughs> 60 seconds a solve to all of it. But, but when I read scripture, are you saying I shouldn't walk away with a sense of personal responsibility? No, and that's a great question. And again, like some of the danger in any any book that's trying to draw some things out is swinging the pendulum too far, right? Yes. Um, and and I think that that some of this goes back into what is our heart motive? What are we relying on for the power in obedience? This kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Because um, I, I think that the 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 most unchristian way to read the Bible is to make it about me. Yes. Right. Um, Yes. Whereas like the message that we hold to, the, the message that makes Christianity the, the most unique thing in all of history is you can't and you won't. You're not able to. And yet God is able to and Jesus did for you what you could not. And then also maybe this is the forgotten part is that he empowers us to new things through his active spirit, mm -hmm. revealing him and drawing us and, and empowering us to the life that he calls us to. Yeah, that's so good because so often, even in our children's materials, and hear my heart when I say this, there are so many Sunday school curriculums that are coming out that are quote-unquote character-based, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're missing the gospel. That's so right. we'll stand before our kids and we'll say things to them like, you should be a humble person or you should love your neighbor or you should be kind as if we can do these things apart from the work of the Spirit in our lives. That's right. And so instead of producing children who understand the, the deep 
dependency we need to have on God and understand the grace of God expressed through Christ's redemptive work that in Christ I can be the person that God has called me to be because mm-hmm. of the work of spirit. Instead of that, it, it's like we're heaping on them unrealistic expectations that will lead to guilt and condemnation yeah. because I'm never going to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. And this moralism, this movement towards moralism in, uh, in these Bible curriculums that are so often there miss the gospel and it becomes enormously dangerous instead of freeing us to be able to enjoy Christ and celebrate his love. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, an early draft of the book, here's a little behind the scenes for everybody. Um, an early draft of the book, we just had, you know, kind of the question is, how do you see Jesus as the hero? And, and there's a lot out there. There's a lot of curriculum. There's a lot of really good. I mean, my favorite children's Bible is the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. Oh, yeah. And how do you see Jesus in every passage? Um, so I said, how, you know, how do you see Jesus as, as the hero? And a good friend of mine is a seminary professor in Portland, Oregon. His name's Gary Brashears. Um, and in talking with Gary about this, he goes, you know, the danger of seeing Jesus as the hero, I'm summarizing his words, but he said, the danger in seeing Jesus as the hero um, is that we all want to be heroes. Um, and so it almost puts, puts Jesus as a goal that if we try hard enough, we can attain and we can be a hero like Jesus. Yeah. And, and there's the danger, right? Like, again, any of those commands, be perfect, be loving, forgive one another, you know, as I've forgiven you. Like, we all hold someone in our hearts that we have unforgiveness toward, even if we've tried really hard, you know, and or maybe, maybe I just do. Um, but, <laughs> but, but the point is, like, we can, we can hold the standard and go, if I have to work to become that, I'm going to fail. But... If that's all we hear in our churches, or that's all we experience in community, if no one admits, hey, you know what, I'm trying to be perfect, but it's not working, if, if that's not talked about, then we feel like we're the only ones. And so we kind of put up this facade and go, I guess everybody else is more perfect than I am. Um, they, they're, they're following the right. example of the hero more than I am. And, and so to, back to your point, um, there's part of that, that that is even that third question. Not only how is Jesus the hero, but how is he the redeemer in fulfillment? Um, because only by his death and resurrection can our old self be put away. And the new self, which is to say the spirit-led self, the, yes. the, the self that is dependent on God and reflecting his grace, but not by our power, reflecting his grace by a new power, a better power than we could ever conjure up on our own. There is responsibility, but if left to our own devices, we're never going to do it. And so we get a, a you know, helium-filled balloon, if you will, um, ability to, to, to follow Jesus and to carry out his commands, but by a power that is outside of us, whereas we're just, you know, at best oxygen-filled balloons trying to hold ourselves up. So, so good. Friends, here's the, the big reveal. All of us are fallen and in need of a Savior. And this is what the Scriptures reveal to us, that Jesus is the hero that's going to redeem us. And because of his work, his finished work on the cross, the Spirit now empowers us to be able to experience new life in Christ. I want you to know that when you're reading the Word of God. Reading the Bible, missing the gospel, you don't have to. 
That's why Ben Connolly has written this book, and I want to encourage you to engage it. We're going to take our final break for the, uh, the day, but I want you to do me a favor. Go to our website during this time. Find out more at equipradio.org. That's equippedradio.org. Secondly, maybe you've been listening. You're like, man, I got questions. I need answers. That's all right. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we can keep the conversation going through social media. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Equip Radio. Feel free, leave your questions there. I also want to encourage you that this would be a great compliment to our invitation to take a 52-week journey with us to reading the Bible in a year. And uh, there's no magic formula to that. It's really about Bible engagement. Find out more by dialing 888-644-4144. We'll be right back. Hey, friends, Chris Brooks here. I want to invite you to join us for our next Equip Resume webinar coming up this Thursday, January 12th, right after the program. We'll be talking about one of the greatest challenges facing our children, our relationships, and our society today. That's mental health. Bring your questions and join the conversation as we discuss Jesus, anxiety, and depression. Equippers, look for an email from me with registration details for this free interactive webinar. Not an equipper and want to attend? Well, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or online at equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Ben Connolly has been my guest. We've been talking about his uh, really important, powerful, and impactful book, Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel. Ben, it's been so awesome having you on. I just want to give you the final word to say... um, Share your heart, if you will, with a with a few groups. First, you have an a, uh, an afterword for church leaders in your book. What do you want to say to church leaders about why you wrote this book? Yeah, to church leaders, I would say thank you first of all for what you do. Um, I'm right there with you in the trenches. I've been a pastor for 20 plus years, and I know it can be thankless and grueling, um, and it is at the same time one of the most b- blessed roles uh, that we can play. So thank you for what you do. I think my exhortation um, would be: there's an opportunity to make um, to make us ourselves and our imperfect commentary on God's word more important in the lives of our churches than God's timeless and perfect word. Um, And so we have to guard against whether it's our sermons or our commentaries or the discussion questions we give to small groups or this kind of stuff. If it's more about what we have to say about the Bible, um, then we're training folks to listen to us and rely on us for their engagement with God. Um, and there's an opportunity that we each have to point folks directly to their creator uh, and, and the one whose word alone is perfect mm. as we push them toward the Bible. So I think there's my exhortation to church leaders. Leaders, it's worth uh, the book to read just that, at that afterward. It is really, really encouraging. Um, part of what I love about your book is the humility uh, with which you write, Ben, you're not writing at us. You're really alongside of us. So what do you say to the person who maybe through uh, listening to us today say, man, I have some broken lenses uh, yeah. through which I've been reading the Bible um, and, and maybe I've been doing it for a long time. 
that's a hard reality to come to, hard yeah. truth to come to. What do you want to say to them about Christ's ability to recover sight for the blind? Yeah, yeah. To you, I would say I'm right there with you again. Um, and that's not because I'm a church leader or a guy who wrote a book. Um, I think all of us have some some wrong lenses. We all have some things that have been baked into us uh, through culture, through just our own selfish hearts or this kind of stuff. Um, it's hard to go to the the scriptures looking primarily for God. Um, and, and yet when we do, when we see we see that it's his story and that, yeah, we have a place to play in it, um, but the Bible is not primarily um, about us or doesn't exist as, a, as, as something to help me feel better, help me know more, this kind of stuff, but rather helps us draw deeper into a relationship with Jesus. Um, when we see that, then the book and this conversation isn't just some kind of ethereal theoretical kind of thing, but it really does change every aspect of our lives. Um, parenting based on specific Bible commands, throwing, throwing commands at our kids uh, versus parenting through the lens of the gospel of recognizing, man, we need God, the, the Father, to forgive us and love us unconditionally. And how do we get to show that to our kids? Um, it changes everything. Uh, ministry, mission, uh, our own, our own uh, relationship with the Father as it relates to continued sin and forgiveness. Um, none of these things become condemnations or none of them minimize the scriptures or lead us away from Jesus. As God opens our eyes to see Him through every lens, His work just becomes all the more glorious. Um, and it really does become more impacting for every facet of our lives. You can see clearly uh, that is the promise of God's grace as we look to him. And, uh, man, you can really enjoy Scripture for um, all the beauty of uh, what God reveals about himself, about the the person and work of Christ in every Scripture. That's what Ben's heart is. That's why I wanted to have him on with us today. The book, again, is Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel, I really do believe it is something you should be adding to your library. And as I've said before, it's a great gift if you are a leader, but it's also a wonderful gift for you to give to a leader if uh, if you have one that you really want to bless. I know for me, it, books like this are game changers, and I appreciate Ben writing it. Ben, thanks for carving out an hour, brother, for being with us, and please tell Jess, we said thank you for sharing you with us for an hour. It is my pleasure and my honor, and thank you, Chris, and thank you, everyone else who's been listening as well. Friends, you can find out more about reading the Bible, missing the gospel, recovering from shockingly common ways we get the Bible wrong on our everyday life. Uh, listen, I don't want you to leave this this uh, conversation with, uh, man, condemnation on your heart. God and his grace opens our eyes in particular seasons of our life because he wants us to know that his grace is sufficient for us. So even in this, rejoice that God is good to you. Friends, I can't wait to wear together again next time. Until then, as always, remember Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.
Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. You know it's easy to read the Bible and insert our own understanding, but in doing so, we may miss the incredible way the gospel infiltrates all of Scripture. I'm going to be joined by Pastor Ben Conley. He's going to help us to understand some of the most misunderstood passages of Scripture. Don't miss the next Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.